0: Hello and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Also be sure to check out my brand new continuing education online platform. It is one of the cheapest online CE platforms and contains over 40 hours of race approved CE for both veterinary technicians and veterinarians. Now today's topic is one that I'm super passionate about. It's about growing the doctor and veterinary technician, veterinary nurse, veterinary assistant, whatever you want to call that care team. Uh, I want you to grow your relationship because in a lot of hospitals, it's often broken. I've been very fortunate in my career that the very first job I ever started off in, the doctor who was also the owner was fantastic. He treated us as equals. He didn't ever look down on us or tell us we couldn't do something. In fact, he highly utilized us. And honestly, I attribute that very first hospital with really paving the way in my career. If I had landed in a hospital where someone disrespected me, or told me I couldn't do something, or I was terrified of the doctors, I might have been on a completely different career path. But because I had a healthy interaction with my very first veterinarian, guess what? The negative interactions that I had later on in life, they didn't mean as much. Because I knew that they were broken, and despite my best efforts, We just were not going to get along and that was okay. That was okay. And sometimes, sometimes it was not okay. And ultimately I've discovered that there are some key things that both sets of either veterinary technicians or doctors can do to help build that relationship. Now, I think it goes without saying why it's so important to have a healthy relationship. It not only makes the hospital team a lot better when we can communicate and have fun together, but it also makes the patient and client care a lot better. When doctors can't communicate with technicians and vice versa, it's a struggle. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you've probably heard me talk about the buckets. Let's dive into these buckets. These buckets are important because I think in veterinary medicine, we're very broken and we don't understand the three key components of how a hospital runs. So I'm going to break it down to you very simply because this is how human medicine is run. You have operations. We all know operations. Operations is your front desk because they manage the flow of the hospital, right? Your clients coming in and out, making sure we have great client experience. It's also your practice managers, your owners, your administration. They're responsible for making sure that we make money and that our building is intact and that we basically have a skeleton to be able to actually build off of. If we don't have good foundation, i.e. a hospital building and being able to support the clientele coming through the building, Then we're pretty broken. So operations is one bucket. Guess what the second one is? It's medical. Medical bucket's very important. Doctors, that's you. You are in the medical uh, bucket. I want you to make sure you have the best medicine. Let's face it, some hospitals, eh, the medical bucket is struggling a little bit. But doctors, you're responsible for the medicine, making sure diagnoses occur appropriately, making sure prescriptions are correct, making sure surgery goes well. So yeah, you're in that medical bucket. But there's another bucket that always gets forgotten about. Yeah, that's the nursing bucket. Nursing bucket consists of veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants, and veterinary nurses, depending on your country of origin or your state or anything like that. We go by many different names. Here's the thing about that nursing bucket. We often get forgotten about. And unfortunately, when we forget about the nursing bucket, well, then things don't operate very well. You can have a great medical team, great operations team, but you have terrible care of your patients. That's a problem. Your post-op spay is now hemorrhaging and unfortunately into its abdominal cavity. No one's noticed because you got very busy. And your nursing care, unfortunately, that bucket is falling apart and you don't have anybody you, you can really trust and you don't notice it until the PCB is, I don't know, 18%. That's a problem, right? So on the flip side of that, hey, listen, I've worked with plenty of stellar amazing nursing care teams and the medical component falling apart at the seam. Doctors are just terrible. They're not prescribing, they're not diagnosing. I remember one time working an overnight shift and it was clearly a bloat. There couldn't, there's no other answer. Listen, as a veterinary technician, I'm not allowed to diagnose, but I'm telling you, it was a bloat. It's as bloated as bloated can be. It's on radiograph, it's a bloat. It's like could have been in a clinical textbook. And my doctor is wondering what to do. She's like, I'm thinking just sub fluids and we send it home. Uh, my mud- my medical bucket is suffering. It is definitely suffering in that moment. Um, and it was all I could do to be like, well, how did you graduate from school? I have no idea. But talked her through it, talked her off a ledge, got a surgery team in there, right? Helped her, coached her, showed some pictures, was like, you are wrong. Um, this is not just, you know, a gastritis, this is actually gastric dilatation volvulus and I need you to call in a surgery team. Okay. And then lastly, operations. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to make the call out, but there are plenty of hospitals that have great medical, great nursing care buckets but their operations either is non-existent you don't have practice managers or you're dueling with a doctor owner situation and operations is falling apart or unfortunately there's nobody to to manage the clients and that's falling apart so we all need to get along together but in this podcast I want to drive home and talk about particularly the important relationship between doctors and that nursing bucket. This is really important. Now, let me be very clear. Doctors, I've never wanted to do your job. And so if, just know this, if technicians wanted to become doctors, they can and they would have. They've chosen a different career path. And for me, it was very simple. I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't want to one, be responsible for diagnosing. That's not an out. I really had no interest in it. And two, I wanted to care the patient more. And caring for the patient more means I'm in that nursing care bucket, thus the title of that third bucket. So know that I never wanted to do your job, but I should be considered as an equal because I'm equal component of the level of the care. Same with our CSRs, they're an equal level component and player in that care of that client and even arguably that patient. So we have to make sure that we all understand that we are on equal fields, whether or not we are doctors or not. But here's the other flip side to that. You are a doctor. You're always going to be held to a higher standard because you are a doctor. You have a medical license. You went to a lot of schooling. We are always going to see you as a leader in the hospital. And I know that's a struggle, particularly if you're a brand new veterinarian. You're coming out and you're like, I'm working with vet techs who have 15, 20 years experience. I am not a leader, but you are because you're the doctor. That's just the way to look at it. So let's talk about how we build that relationship. It's not just from the viewpoint that I just talked, because we need that viewpoint to realize that we're all on an equal playing field, regardless of degree. The other things that we can do is a couple simple things. One recognize that we all work in a professional medical office this then requires us to make sure that we have professional medical communication between each other um i'm gonna go out and say this because actually i did some research i always like to do a little bit of research if not a lot of research on the topic before i just you know spout my own opinion and i looked at it from a human medical side of things i actually typed in things like uh, how can doctors and nurses collaborate better? How can doctors engage with registered nurses better? And here's the interesting thing of the six to seven articles I read, so, and some of them were from doctors perspectives and some of them were from uh, registered nurse perspectives. About three of them. So roughly 50% had in there, don't yell at your nurses. Um, Yeah, it's a problem in the medical industry. And unfortunately, I can tell you that this is a problem in veterinary medicine as well. In fact, whenever I get the opportunity, if it's appropriate, I'll ask my audience, how many of you have ever been witness to something getting thrown in your hospital? I hate to tell you, but 70, 75% of people raise their hand. It's incredible still in 2023 that that many people have seen something purposely being thrown. So then I ask the next question. How many of you saw someone in the front desk throw something? Very minimal front desk employees throw things. You'll be happy to know. How many of you have seen veterinary technicians throw things? Okay. Roughly about 20% of that 70, 75%, raise your hand. How many of you have seen practice owners throw something? Okay, there's probably another 5, 10% there. How many of you have seen doctors throw something? I'm going to make the call out. Doctors, you are definitely leading by a lot. The majority of people who have been witness to something being thrown purposely in a hospital is because a doctor lost their temperature and threw something. Doctors, that's not a good way to maintain a healthy relationship with your technician team. You need to stop throwing shit. I'm going to say it. You just need to stop throwing shit. That should probably go on a t-shirt. Like, I should not throw shit in my hospital. I know that sounds so crude, but it is the truth. Just don't throw anything. And listen, I've witnessed mostly pens. Some clipboards, occasionally syringes, but the worst one was an actual chair that the veterinarian owner picked up in the waiting room, luckily after clients were gone, and threw it through drywall. In the morning, we had to explain to clients the reason why there was a hole in our walls because a piece of medical equipment fell into it. But the truth of the matter is, my doctor lost her garbage, started screaming at the staff, picked up a chair, and flung it by our heads not appropriate at all. Probably, I look back and think, I probably should have called the cops and done you know, a potential assault charge because it was definitely thrown in our direction. I'm surprised it didn't hit us. So we have to recognize that we work in a professional medical office. Technicians, keep the humor professional. Doctors, don't yell at your staff. Say please and thank you to each other. When you communicate, recognize you are not family. I don't want to hear about how, oh, this is my family. Adorable. Unfortunately, you do yell at your dog, your family, all the time probably. Or you've been known to fly off the handle at your family. You're They're not your family. Treat them as professional medical colleagues because they are. So this is really important. It goes both ways. Again, doctors, you're more guilty of throwing stuff. Definitely probably even more guilty at screaming at the technician staff. Don't do that. It's so unkind. You're never going to build a relationship. So again, it starts with just good communication skills. What's the next thing? I want you to learn together. Yes. I want you to learn together. I'm going to plug. I'm going to pause and I'm going to plug. Listen, I'm one of the few podcasts that I don't have sponsors. I don't plug anyone else's products. I don't stop and make you listen to a commercial. Um, I am in my basement with a microphone that was very cheap off Amazon. I don't have a producer or anything like that. So if I'm plugging something, it's generally me because I'm running my own business. So here's the thing. I'm very proud of my veterinary technician training online continuing education platform. Why? Because it is the only website in which all of the race approved content is created only by veterinary nurses and veterinary technicians. And guess what? It's race approved for doctors and vet tech and vet nurses. That's right. Ding, ding, ding. That means you can come to my website and learn from veterinary technicians. And I don't mean to brag, but we're very good educators. Why? Because I have to be able to educate. When I go to an AVMA conference, when I go to IVEX, when I go to EVEX or um, VMX, and I'm lecturing to a room, I actually have to be able to lecture to somebody who's brand new, just out of high school, a concept, say, on ischemia reperfusion injury. And then I have to be able to weed through very quickly the basic concept, but then get to the high hitting stuff so that if I have a veterinary technician specialist or a doctor in my audience, they're going to take something away from that 50 minute lecture. We're very good educators. And so I'm very proud. I was just actually at the AVMA convention. And if you are one of the doctors in my audience, thank you. Thank you, because it is always an honor. And I still get a little bit of a posture syndrome when I look out, and I can tell you that the majority of the people asking questions who are coming up to me and asking questions, let's just say I had you know 15 people standing there to ask me a question. Guess what, 10 of them were doctors. They were learning from me. So here's the thing, doctors, I want you to educate us. On the flip side, I want you to learn from us. Technicians, educate your doctors on nursing care. Yeah, you can do that. And doctors, I want you to educate us. One of the best things is when doctors... Start to engage with their nursing care team and say, hey, listen, we've got a little bit of downtime. Let's talk about fluid therapy. I know I, you know, cracked a bag of head of starch for that shocky dog. Let's talk about colloids versus crystalloids. Let's talk about the colloid controversial controversy. Let's really dive into it together as a team. I guarantee you they're going to love it. They're going to love it. You know what that does? It brings the team together. One of the things that hurts veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants is They come into the industry or they come into your hospital and they're brand new. They're very scared and they have doctors that don't explain the why they ignore them. They look down upon them. When you want to build your relationship with that nursing bucket, educate them and vice versa. Technicians, if you're doing in-house continuing education, invite your doctors to them and doctors, some of you show up. Yes, you're going to probably learn something or You're going to be able to help contribute. And one of the other great ways that teams can bond morbidity and mortality rounds. Now, I know you have to think like, oh, the patient has had to die. You can have something that's a near death, something that just didn't do very well. You had a neuter on the table and it was routine. It's silly. It's a big dog canine neuter. And unfortunately, its heart rate plummeted and then it arrested. But you got it back. It was only a short-term arrest. You got it back. But let's talk about that case. Let's talk through the drugs. Let's talk about exactly what happened in our response. But bring all three buckets into that conversation. And you're going to build your team so much better. All right, doctors, you want to know what I need from you and vice versa. But this is more so for doctors. I'm going to make that call out. I need you to support your veterinary technicians uh, your veterinary assistants, hands down. And I'll, I'll even say front desk. I mean, I know I'm not including front desk in this and it's not because I'm trying to not build those relationships, but this is focused on vet techs and doctors. And eventually I'm going to do how you can build your relationship with your, your, with your CSR. But for this, I need you to get, our, get, you have to have our back. When we are in a client room and inevitably every vet tech at some point says, you know what, I want to talk to the doctor about this. Vet techs. I'm here to tell you it's going to sting in the early years, in the early years. If you're brand new, probably in the first decade of your career, every time someone says, uh, I think I need to talk to the doctor, you're going to get upset, especially if you're a credentialed vet tech or you've gone to school as a vet nurse, uh, you're going to say, listen, I have a degree. I can um, They're not going to tell you anything differently. I know my stuff. How dare you? That's the stuff you're going to say in your head. I want you to l- let it roll off. Realize that your doctor is a doctor and that's OK. You didn't wanna be a doctor and that's totally fine. Don't get upset about it. Just walk out of the room and say, you know what? Sure, I'll go get the doctor. Cause your doctor's going to have your back. Now doctors, one of the best ways you can have their back is when you go into that room, I want you to start off by saying, I know you just had the opportunity to talk to my amazing veterinary technician, Amy, and I gather I'm probably not going to be able to provide any other information or answer any other questions, but I understand you have some, so go ahead. And as that person's asking the same questions and you know, you're giving the same knowledge, I want you to pause every so often and say, ah, I'm sure Amy told you this because she's fantastic. This is how our doctors support us. This is how they've got our backs. And when we come out of rooms and we say, This person was just screaming at me. Doctors, you are a doctor. That's where you get to flash that shiny card that says, I'm a doctor and you're not going to talk to my staff that way. You need to go in there and you need to support your team and say, hey, I understand you're upset and you have some concerns. And then when they start, I want you to stop and I want you to remind them, listen, they're part of my team. That team member is an equal part in your animal's care. So, what I need you to do is apologize to them because it's not appropriate how you yelled at them. You're not yelling at me, and I gather it's because I'm a doctor, but it doesn't make it right that you went ahead and yelled at my veterinary technician, my veterinary nurse, right? That's how you back us up. Let me tell you, it melts our heart. It melts our heart. Mm. When I have a doctor come out of a room and I say, hey, and they say to me, Amy, that client's going to apologize to you like, oh, melt my heart. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, I'm going to take that apology. I walk up there and I go, hi, I understand that you wanted to speak to me. And the client goes, listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have raised my voice. It was completely inappropriate thank you so much. I understand you really love your dog or your cat. Thank you for apologizing. That's all you have to say, right? Very rarely happens. So doctors, you do need to back us up, not just if there's a cranky client, but also in our skill and our knowledge, back us up. The other thing that we have to do, and this is interesting because in my perusal of how to build doctor and nurse relationships on a human front level, the thing that was not written in any article was utilization. It wasn't written in any single article, and that was very interesting because it obviously is a big problem in our industry. And I just recently posted about this on my own Facebook page. You know, I I mentioned, obviously, I was just at the AVMA conference, um, and the AVMA House of Delegates just recently released an article, and uh, here's what it says. AVMA pledges to defend against expanding scope of practice. This podcast has been sitting on an ideas board for a while, but really that article was the catalyst of me creating it. And here is the continuation of that beginning title. Efforts to allow non-veterinarians to prescribe, diagnose, and perform surgery prompted a new policy approved by the AVMA House of Delegates. Now, Basically what it is saying, because right now there's a group of veterinary technicians in the United States that are trying to expand scope of practice to maybe include things like prescribing, maybe even doing treatment plans. I will voice my opinion on this. It's a tricky slope people. We don't even have title protection in most states. We don't we can't get scope of practice right. The majority of veterinarians have no idea what an AVMA accredited vet tech college program is. They don't even understand how accrediting happens for veterinary technicians. They don't understand the difference between a vet tech and a vet assistant. So I'm not sure right now is the right way to go about, you know, promoting our our career path by increasing scope of practice. It's interesting. I'm not going to get in anybody's way. Um, I'm just not sure it's the right time. So I can see both sides of this. But what upset me about the article is even though, even though I agree it might not be the right time to allow veterinary technicians to prescribe because I'd like to see, basically I'd like to see the house in order. Like the house is really messy. Our vet tech house is a disaster, people. I'd like it to be swept and cleaned. Um, I'd like boxes packed up first. And then maybe go down different paths. Instead, our house is a freaking mess and we're just going to throw some more mess into it is my opinion. Maybe it's going to improve things. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But again, I'm not going to get anyone in anyone's way. The reason why I am upset about this article is because it's yet another article telling veterinary technicians, you can't, you're just a, and no way. I'm so tired of that. Listen, veterinarians, you do not know what utilization is because you're not doing it. There are very few hospitals that I have come in and done consulting work for or walked into that is fully utilizing their vet tech team. And unfortunately, even even the practice of hiring veterinary technicians It's so inappropriate. We do things like working interviews. Don't get me started. Working interviews are completely illegal. And then when we hire a credentialed veterinary technician or a registered veterinary nurse into the hospital, we have to make them prove themselves. It is so one-sided it's painful and I've fought this battle for 25 years of my career and I'm going to continue to fight it. Listen, doctors, let me be very clear. When you're hired into a new practice, do you have people that shadow you or do you make them watch several t- sp- several spays before you allow them to actually spay a dog? No because they graduated from vet school, therefore they can do the spay. But instead, a credential vet tech enters the hospital and we don't allow them to place catheters because, well, we have to see how they are. I'm sorry, they went through an accredited AVMA program, the same that you went through an accredited AVMA veterinary school. They graduated, they took a degree, uh, an exam, you graduated, took an exam, you got a license, maybe they got credentialed, maybe they got a registration, maybe they got a license. I understand there's many titles that muddy the water as well. But when we come into your hospital, I wanna be able to work as a veterinary technician. Now don't get me wrong, I still need to be taught things. I need to be taught things like how to do thoracocentesis or AFAS or TFAS. I need to be taught how to do arterial lines if that's what you're going to do in your hospital. And I know some of you just said, those are not technician skills, but they are. They're actually allowed to to be done by veterinary technicians in all of our states. And I know some of you are saying, but if they do A-FAST and T-FAST, isn't that diagnosing? No, that's interpretation. I said this in another podcast, and it's so important that I'm going to repeat it again in this podcast. Diagnosing is when you come up with a reason for why something is happening. When I come up to you and I say, hey, I did an A-FAST, Which is, by the way, it's a point of care ultrasound. So I quickly go ahead and there's basically four markers on the abdomen. I place uh, the probe on those four markers and I tell you there's fluid in the abdominal cavity. That's an interpretation. It's me looking at what I'm seeing and I'm interpreting, hey, there's fluid in the abdominal cavity. I haven't diagnosed anything. The diagnosis is it's hemangiosarcoma that has caused the spleen to rupture. I come up to you and I say, Hey, I just want to let you know your patient's anemic has a packed cell volume of only 13%. That's not a diagnosis, that's an interpretation of the blood test results. Veterinary technicians are allowed to interpret. We're allowed to look at ECGs, we're allowed to tell you it's second degree heart block. You need to figure out the reason. That's the diagnosis. But me interpreting, that's what I do. But so often veterinary technicians, and I, as you can tell, I'm super passionate about this. Veterinary technicians, registered vet nurses enter in hospitals and they're not allowed to perform the things that they were trained to do because they're, their doctors are confused by these two definitions. You need to allow us to be fully utilized. And in most hospitals, doctors are still placing catheters you're doing all of the things I just said. You're, you're going ahead and doing dental profies. Just stop and let your technician team fully work. And I know what uh, some of you have just said, which is, listen, my technicians, set to, I don't trust them to do arterial lines. When you graduate from college, does your hospital trust you to do a TPLO? What about repairing a fractured leg? When a veterinarian has graduated college, are they uh, trusted to go in and do a thoracotomy and a lung lobectomy? Probably not. So your brand new veterinary technician is not trusted to place an arterial catheter. They're not, they don't know, but we're gonna train them no different than veterinarians continuing to learn. But what we don't do to that brand new credentialed veterinary technician is make them prove their knowledge all over again. They already went to school and they proved it. That's why they got a degree. We shouldn't be the, then the, the, the barrier to utilizing that degree, but we are, and then we get upset when they leave. So yes, technician utilization is really important, full utilization. I never knew how lucky I was to have entered into right out of college, such a wonderful hospital that let me do everything. It was really, really fantastic. My veterinarian was like, you do it, you do it, and you do it. We build that relationship between veterinary technicians and doctors because we trust each other to do our job. And listen, unfortunately on the flip side, there's plenty of green doctors I've worked with. In fact, I'll tell you this story, three in the morning, It was definitely a bloat. It's not a little bit of a bloat. It's a bloat. It's so diagnostic on a radiograph that the picture could be used in a textbook, but Amy Newfield's not allowed to diagnose. So when her doctor said, I think I'm just going to send this dog home on sub-Q fluids. It's probably gastritis. Immediately I thought, how did you get your degree? But then I very politely said, remembering that professional medical conversation, I'm not sure that that is gastritis. I might be concerned that it could be a gastric dilatation and volvulus. And then Amy ran and grabbed a textbook. And she literally held the textbook up next to the picture and said, this looks pretty identical. And I think we need to call in the surgery team. To which my doctor said, you think? I said, I know. It's not just a think. I've been doing this for 15 years and you have just graduated from school. And I am here to tell you that calling the surgery team is the right answer. And luckily she trusted me. So it goes both ways. It's not just about doctors trusting technicians. Technicians, you need to trust doctors. And listen, we need to help and collaborate. And that brings me to my next thing. Collaboration is really key, right? We talked about sharing medical information, but not just that, about patient care. A lot of times doctors pack up or technicians pack up. I need you to collaborate. Bring the team together and say, hey, we've got X, Y, and Z going on today. What does everybody think? What does everybody think? This is so important. Now, we've already talked about those three important buckets in the hospital, right? We've got operations, medical, and nursing one of the things that I need everyone to be very aware of between medical and nursing is that any a policy or procedure affects one of them, the other group needs to be consulted. And I'm going to say we have to we have to make the call out. A lot of times medicals always consulted, right? The medical director and the hospital administrator or the owner sit down and they develop policies and procedures and they forget about the nursing bucket. I've seen this in huge hospital organizations. We even have you know, directors of veterinary technology or directors of nursing that are being hired in and they're kept out of these big deal conversations. If there is a policy or procedure that clearly is going to impact the nursing team, and most of them will, You need someone from the nursing bucket in on those conversations because you want to know what doesn't build trust and collaboration and build the relationship between these two groups is completely ostracizing the entire group. Nothing drives me battier than, you know, I remember working for this one company and they something happened on a nursing care level. So, you know, who got together all the medical directors and then they put this policy and procedure out of how this would never happen again. They never asked a single vet tech. They just put it out to, you know, 30 something hospitals and then it failed because you want to know what the vet techs never knew about it. And then unfortunately, they continue to have patient care issues because nobody asked for the vet techs opinion on this new policy and procedure. So let me be very clear. It doesn't feel good the other way. If let's just say, and this will never happen um, because we always get forgotten about, I'll just call that out. But if veterinary technicians were to change something about, I don't know, how a surgery is done, how would that make doctors feel like garbage? And so it makes us feel like garbage. If we want veterinary technicians, veterinary nurses, vet assistants to communicate better with doctors, well then doctors, hey, we're here. You need to incorporate us into the policies and procedures that you're about to think about putting out in your hospital. Otherwise, we're not gonna buy in and we're not gonna respect that policy and procedure and we're certainly gonna drift apart from you. We have opinions, we have thoughts. A lot of us went to school to care for the patients. You didn't go to school for caring for patients. We have, some of us have four year college education on just how to care for that patient. We're damn good at it. You should ask for our opinion uh, because it's really important. And so whenever we're doing policies and procedures, don't forget about all the other buckets. This is really key. I know this was a lot. And I'm also gonna make the other call out. This is a lot of finger pointing at veterinarians to do better by veterinary technicians, but obviously veterinary technicians, you have to do the same for veterinarians, especially if you've been in this this profession for a longer period of time, you're going to get that very green doctor in Don't just assume, oh, this one's gonna be an idiot. Oh, I'm gonna have to train this doctor because I've heard veterinary technicians say that. I'm gonna have to train this new doctor. How would you feel if your doctor said, oh, I've got to train this new vet tech? No, oh, I have a new doctor. I can't wait to support them and help them if they need help, right? That's the conversation we need to have. We have to grow veterinary technicians and doctor teams. We have to grow them together. They're not separate. They are in terms of buckets, but they work together side by side. All three of these buckets, one cannot be higher, one cannot be lower. They have to live on an equal playing field. And it is important that we collaborate, we get along, and we communicate together. And in order to do that, we need these key things. We have to grow and learn together. We have to make sure that we know how to communicate professionally together. We have to get each other's back, right? When going gets tough, I've got to get my doctors back and they have to get my back. And we have to fully utilize the skill sets of veterinary technicians, because I don't often find veterinarians not being able to perform their skills. If you are a veterinarian and you're not being able to perform your skill to the fullest, veterinary technicians, back them up. Tell the, tell the owner, tell whoever's holding them back that the, this person needs to be able to do more. Usually it's the vet techs that are not being fully utilized. And listen, if we can get all those things right, then we're going to have a much better, much healthier hospital environment. Above all else, recognize you are on the same field and you're playing for the same team. And I often hear, oh, the doctors or, oh, the technicians or, oh, why can't we get good staff for this or that? Stop with that language and support each other. Hopefully this helps you in your journey of really supporting and collaborating and growing these two components of your hospital team. Hopefully what we have is veterinarians and technicians and nurses all getting along and recognizing that they collaborate and that they're truly a team. Thank you for everything that you do and keep on being a unicorn. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.